Any no. objections to just calling this classics we hate? It's no. It's more succinct. Then classics we can live without. Yeah. <laughs> classics I poop on. <laughs> Unclassic. <laughs> Unclassic, classic. Classic cans. Oh wait, how about just classics we hate? <laughs> That's a good idea, good Kevin. Idea. You, should, <laughs> you always have the best ideas. <laughs> Ready? Do your magic. Ooh, I got magic. Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail. I'm Nate. I'm Brian. I'm Steve. I'm Kevin. And I'm Tom with the spoilers. Woo! There you go. I'm glad only Tom has them this time. Uh, we have a special podcast for you guys today. We have been doing this podcast for nine years, which is uh, a long time. That's uh, more than eight and so uh, <laughs> we every sort of anniversary, every year, we like to do something a little different. We uh, normally choose a classic film that we like to talk about. And this year we decided um, to also switch that up a little bit. And uh, for those of you who have been listening for a long time, you know that on Buried Cinema, we don't hold classic films as sort of sacred. So we decided for our nine-year anniversary, we would do classics that we hate. So everybody on the podcast chose a classic film that is generally adored, or considered at least classic, and we chose one of those that we dislike. So we're going to start with me. I chose White Christmas. For those of you who don't know, this is the 1954 Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye movie that the famous song comes from. It's about... The song's a lot older than the movie. Yeah. Bing Crosby had already sung this song in two other movies, including Holiday Inn in like 1942 or something. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Talk about a one-trick pony. <laughs> it's the only song he ever yeah. sang. I, <laughs> I, I dislike this movie so much and care so little, I didn't feel like doing the background work on it. So thank you guys for... <laughs> the song itself was published in 1942. And then they uh, made the movie that would be 12 years later. It's like Singing in the Rain. It's, it, it's a movie that was built around a catalog of songs. No, we will have. never compare this film to Singing in the Rain. <laughs> I just did. People always do, and they're wrong to do so. All right, I'm kind of letting my feelings go a bit. So what, what we're going to kind of do is the person who chose the movie has to sit around and listen to people gush over the movie. We think that's interesting. So I chose White Christmas. Nate's already, like, regretting his decision and <sighs> just trashing it. So I'm going to turn this over to uh, Steve. Um, I, th I don't even think I've told you the plot. So, but basically, it's about these uh, this song and dance group, and they decide to throw a party up in Vermont for their general from World War II to save his aging ski lodge. And there's two girls there that they kiss occasionally, and then they sing songs. I feel like that's a pretty accurate description of this movie. Yeah, let me try it. The, I'll give the exact <laughs> same description, but without the the vitriol. So, all right, so it's it's all yours, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> two previous soldiers who are a song and dance team meet up with their former uh, general and realize that he hasn't got the appreciation he deserves. So they set up this uh, event where all his former uh, soldiers uh, command comes and show him how much they appreciate him through several sequences of song and dance. 
And also there's Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. Yes. And Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye. I found this movie just utterly delightful. I, I, I'd never seen this before. I am a big fan of Danny Kaye. I, uh, I like Bing Crosby. Uh, but I'd, I'd never come across this. And uh, I was a little... Nate kind of soured it for me. So I was expecting to, it to be a kind of a trudge. And... <laughs> within it's after a delightful the, movie it is it is after the first song and dance number i was like that that's kind of cool and then it just gets better and better and so innocent and the, it, it's just such a we were talking about feel-good movies early, earlier mm-hmm. it's such a feel-good movie like th- there's this sense of respect and it's sort of what everybody imagines the 50s were not what they actually were but what everybody imagines they were right <laughs> And so I I just I really enjoyed this. It just made me feel good about everything with like 30 percent less minstrel shows. Yes. Well, um, and even though they called it a minstrel show, it wasn't the horrifying minstrel show that I was worried about. There's no blackface. They were singing about minstrel shows. It's it's called progress in 1954. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. it I, I I enjoyed this immensely. Everything about it, I would go back and watch it again over and over. Um, if Nate, you come visit us, visit us, we will be watching this again. That is a threat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't understand the the hate for it other than the Snoop. The one I took a few notes and uh, Vera Ellen. Yeah, she had an eating disorder, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Like, uh... That huh? body is not humanly possible. She had the, the one of the notes on this was she was known through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, I think, for having the thinnest waist in Hollywood. But even her legs, when she's oh, dancing, yeah. she's an incredible dancer. But I was worried yeah. her legs were going to snap in half. <laughs> like she, yeah. she's, she needs to eat a sandwich. No, not anymore. She's dead. Oh but well. Back then, yeah. yes. She well, then now she really needs to eat a sandwich. Right. But she's other than like, yeah. really, that's my only criticism of this movie is. She's a little too thin. Oh, she definitely she died at age sixty. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure she had that, eating that disorder. That was malnutrition. Yeah, but beyond that, I I absolutely adored this movie. Nate, uh, I I'm very glad you hated this movie. Uh, <laughs> no, I I am because had you not hated it, you wouldn't have put it on the podcast, and I wouldn't have gotten a chance to see it because I loved it. Mm-hmm. And it's a classic. You know, obviously, it's a classic. But it's one of those. If I tell my parents, "Hey, I saw White Christmas." I guarantee you their face is going to light up when I tell them that. It's, yeah, Stephen, like you said, this is this is what we think the 50s was like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been many, many references to this movie in other movies, and now I can associate it better, and, and I'm very glad I saw it. It's I'm going to watch this and National Lampoon's Christmas and The Great Escape. You couldn't have two more diametrically opposed <laughs> holidays. <laughs> They're Damn both it, war what movies. have I done? <laughs> no, at Die, the Hard. End of... Die Hard is your Christmas movie. <laughs> yes. That was never my Christmas movie. Uh, I'm not... Home I'm Alone. Not, um, oh, King Home Rat Alone? was the other one. King, oh, Rat. King Rat. Oh, King Rat. Yeah. Those like are King my Ralph's Christmas your Christmas movie? <laughs> <laughs> <Or> maybe... <laughs> That's a weird choice. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love this movie. Uh, ha- am I the only one who had it? I haven't gone either. Oh, I hadn't seen it either. If you had right. seen it, then you were the only one who had also seen it. All right. Go ahead, Brian. I kind of wish I didn't watch this movie in Technicolor because <laughs> it was lazily painted. Uh, like a lot of the background areas were left like really drab and gray. And it kind of was like, I couldn't 
not pay attention to it. Maybe that was me being an artist. Um, but like, that was one of my biggest things when I was watching this was like, even some of the suits, like when you're watching, uh, Ben Crosby and Danny Kay, like they didn't even bother to like colorize the suits because they were just gray. And it, it was noticeable because they were kind of like a, a lifeless gray. They weren't even like a, a like they, they, were too black and white gray. They didn't have any color to them. And it was, I kind of like, that was my, that's my biggest criticism with this whole movie, regardless of that fact. Um, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the acting. I enjoyed the songs to at, at some point, the whole, like you saved me in the war. I'm going to Lord this over you for the rest of your life. Got old. <laughs> um, I, I was kind of hoping that would go away, and it never actually did. I actually found that kind of funny because later in the film, all Danny Kay has to do is like touch his arm, and like they don't even verbalize it. Yeah, which is when it actually became funnier to me. I pretty much enjoyed this movie, and and as Tom was kind of hinting, like the only character I didn't really care for was was the wife of the general, <laughs> who just snooped on the phone all the time. She wasn't uh. his wife. She was his. Receptionist. She was just a receptionist. Oh, okay. The local then, uh, busy then it was, nosy lady. Then yeah. it was Mary Wicks. She she's Emma the whole Allen. reason for she's the whole reason for the the series of misunderstandings in this film, and she never gets like held accountable for it. <laughs> she's like, "Oh, you're back. Oh, good. Uh, friends again." Yeah, but I mean, I, I had I had no major story or acting complaints with this movie. It was all on the technical side. The Technicolor side. So I, I'd seen this before. Some of the songs are kind of bland, especially watching it so close to Sound of Music. <laughs> but White Christmas is a, a wonderful song. And, uh, you know, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen, and uh, Dean Jagger, who plays the general, are all great in this film. Mm-hmm. Vera Ellen's dancing is phenomenal. Yeah. Whether whether she has thin legs or not, I don't really care. Um she just looked unhealthy. I was I was more concerned for her health than anything else, but she looks amazing in this. Steve, Steve's watching this whole movie just like wringing his hands like, oh, God, I'm really concerned for this girl. <laughs> I'll save you 65 year ago, lady. Yeah. <laughs> and the this is this is kind of the level of mishaps and misunderstandings that I actually enjoy. We, we watched Some Like It Hot recently. And situations in those are a little too manic, a little too, like, overdone for my taste. I kind of like this a little better where they, they get on the train and they just kind of bump the door open and the girls are in, in the room that they were supposed to have. Yeah. Uh, I, find I, that I, I attribute of, a lot of that to Bing Crosby, too, because he's very sedated in his style anyway. <laughs> and he kind of brings that to the movie, which kind of brings it down. But that's good because it probably would have been, like you said, a little too manic if he hadn't. I think Especially he means with Danny sedate. K. Sedate, yeah. Sedate. And, and sedated from what I've sedated. read about him. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm glad I rewatched this. I really enjoyed it. So and, now, that, and now we're going to move on to Flick Chart. So, <laughs> <laughs> Got to do our grading, but now we have to listen to Nate tell us why this movie is terrible. Oh, this movie sucks so much. Such a horrible, horrible film. So a, f- a, f- a few things. Uh, re- rewatching this, um, I will say that uh, 
I have been unkind to Danny Kay on this podcast. Okay, so I'm going to give this movie an A. We're moving to grades, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I should take some of that back. I think he's kind of putting this movie on his shoulders and dragging it along with a stumbling Bing Crosby, who's <laughs> clearly like drunk through half of this film. A lot of what I hate about this movie is that it's not Singing in the Rain. I don't think it's a good musical. It's Hey, Nate. There are a lot of other movies that aren't singing in the rain as well. So. Yeah, and you know what? Why should we watch them? <laughs> <laughs> like when it comes to classic musicals, when they're really when they're really old and they're classic musicals, there's a problem with like if if I want to watch an old movie and like re- keep rewatching it and keep rewatching it, that's a big reason why I don't like this is because it was like when Steve just said and Kevin just said we're going to add this to our holiday watching sort of list. That's one of the biggest problems I have with this film is that it just gets watched again and again and again. And I don't think it in any way, shape or form like deserves that. It's the music is White Christmas, that song. Otherwise, there's a lot of random choreography moments that are really boring. Oh, um, see, I, that was like, my favorite like, part of this is the, the dance numbers. I love that's when I really I was like, I don't know what Nate's issue. I mean, it's amazing dancing in a movie. That's like your wheelhouse. So I don't know what, but it's how not you the main, not like it. It's, it's not the main actors. They're throwing Vera, Vera Allen in there with Bernardo from West Side Story. And it's not Bing Crosby because they're worried he's going to fall off the stage. Justifiably. Um, okay, so a little bit of history, right? Because Donald O'Connor was supposed to be in this movie. Yeah. And he actually is a dancer, whereas Danny Kaye is not. Right. Right. So they had to put Vera Allen with actual professional dancers who could keep up with her and Danny Kay got that kind of slow dance in the beginning with her and then they had to kind of shoehorn a couple of numbers in for Danny Kay to mug through because that's what he's known for which is like that the choreography number was put in there to showcase Danny Kay's comedy style and the problem is I think it 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 shows in the film I think you can it it is delightful to an extent but you're delightful and you're watching all these technical missteps I also think that Bing Crosby's acting is pretty awful in this. You said he's very sedated and he he barely shows any emotion. Like Rosemary Clooney will be like angry at him or she's like entranced with him and and his face is the exact same emotion it was a second ago. And then there's a few moments when he smiles or laughs cuz Danny Kaye makes him laugh, but otherwise he's just well now kids, here we go. Next scene. And it's <laughs> I like. That. I don't have a problem with that. I like that. It just feels like his. That's him. You know. Well, it, and, and that's that, that's kind of what annoys me is what people like about this movie is that it's bad. Is there like it's just a sign of the times? <laughs> it's just it's a romanticized fifties. It's not that great. It's it's the original Hallmark movie, right? It's the original Hallmark okay. Channel movie. But sure. that's exactly what it is. None, yeah. none of the things. Or, or almost none of the things I've heard you say, though, make it a bad movie. Yeah. It's just, I, I think maybe... It's what... like saying Gremlins is the original Ghoulies. Yeah, but it's still good. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think there's it's, bad it's acting. bothering you more that other people like it yeah. than you think you don't like it. That's a big part of it, Kevin, is the fact that I've had to, like, at Christmas time when I go back and see my family, we do have to sit down and watch this. And there's see, a Nate, fact you're, where... You, oh, you're speaking in your it. passive voice. You, you need to personalize this personalize it you were forced to watch this every year <laughs> not people are forced to watch this people every year. Yeah. are forced to watch this everywhere they force <laughs> themselves so. to watch it 
there's there's no there's no nuance there's no substance to this film i'll say this all right yeah i'm going to say this because when he's when steve talked about the plot of this movie and what is interesting i thought in the in what he chose to say is that i even having seen this before remember this as being just a light romantic comedy about these two guys and these two girls and actually the part that I really found touching is is the whole plot about the general. Yeah. And that's the through line from the first scene to the last. That's yeah. the um, real plot of the movie to me. It, it is. And I had totally forgotten about it. And those are the things, those are the parts that really warmed my heart. And the whole like romantic comedy where she thought something was going on when it really wasn't. And then she had to, you know, she came like that. That was fine. It didn't detract from it. And, and I, I like the performers. Bing Crosby's not a detriment for me. He's just kind of there. Um, <laughs> How can your lead actor just kind of be there? Keanu Reeves. There you go. Keanu Reeves is a is a good That's actor. Amazing, he's but he, he's not. Uh, yeah, he is. No, Keanu <laughs> Reeves great. has he's a range fantastic. of emotion. Bing mm-hmm. Crosby has whiskey or rye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Nate, have you gotten it all off your chest? Yeah, sure. All right, we should uh, go into grading. Okay. Yeah. So we grade these movies A, B, C, D, or F. No pluses, no minuses. Just for our listening audience. All right, Steve, what grade would you give White Christmas? A. And really? Absolutely. <laughs> I love this movie. I, you, you introduced me to one of my new favorite movies. No. <laughs> yes. Right. Oh my god. Yes. God damn it. I don't want I don't want to put this on my flick chart because I'm afraid how high it'll go. See, so see bad. Nate, that's good so bad. <laughs> Tom? I am also going to give this an A. No, stop it! <laughs> Kevin? A. This is not, it's not funny, Kevin. That's uh, not funny. I, t- ten minutes ago I said A. That hasn't changed. No. Brian? I'm going to give it A, B. Oh, thank goodness. All right. well, I'm giving it a D. <laughs> this is not, it's not a complete failure of a film, but it's, it's just, it's a... Okay, Nate, you don't get to write the consensus on this one. <laughs> Fine. What should I write? Oh, yeah. It was a delightful film, unless you're dead inside. A delightful <laughs> film, unless you're able to recognize quality. Got Which it. Which is why I said you can't write the consensus. A delightful, I'm going to put a delightful film for most people if you don't for most want people. deep substance. You don't need deep substance. You're just watching a dull a fluffy Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Del- that's what I'm going to say. A delightful, fluffy Christmas movie. I can live with that. All right. So, with three A's, a B, and a D, that gives White Christmas a B, which by our rating system is a Pac-Man. All right, we're going to come back and talk about uh, Brian's movie, Around the World in 80 Days. <laughs> So we are back, and we're going to be talking about my pick for classic movies we hate uh, to talk about Best Picture winner from 1956, Around the World in 80 Days, based off the book by uh, Jules Verne, starring David Niven, Conten Floss, and Shirley MacLaine. The movie is straight from the book. It's a Victorian Englishman who is attempting to circumnavigate the globe in 80 days based off of a bet that he made with this 
uh, group of, let's call it a gentleman's club, even though that has different connotations now. Yeah, the Reform Club. Yeah, the Reform Club. The Reform Club, yes. Uh, So let's, has anyone else seen this before? No. Okay. Let's start with Kevin. The first 15 minutes or so of this movie. Well, hold on. Another movie? Yeah, let me rephrase that. The first 10 minutes after the first 10 minutes where they show a different movie to start this movie. (laughs) I was not feeling very good about this. And then I saw that it was going to be three hours and I'm going, holy cow. However, it didn't take all three hours for it to grow on me. But by the end of the movie, I had a pretty good time. Okay, a couple of things. So, around the world in 80 days, obviously, they've got to do something to show you them going around the world. After a while, I started to get a certain level of respect for the movie because whether it was actual or not, they made it look like they went around the world to different places around the world. Find that hard to believe, but maybe they did. But the fact is, I, I'm, I know not all of it was genuine footage, but enough of it looked genuine and... Oh, yeah, Passport 2. I loved his performances. He carried me through the whole film. He carried the movie. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he carried the movie. I, I was watching this while I had an English woman, an actual English woman staying in my house, and I felt so bad that I wanted to kill every Englishman in this movie. <laughs> because I'm just like, no, I can't, I can't. But, oh, they, they portrayed every stereotype you would expect at that time. And I hated them for that. But I kind of enjoyed the movie. I had a pretty good time. Now, did it need to be three hours long? Hell no. Um, they, they cut out the original, the, the movie they showed in the beginning. That's 10 minutes. Cut out the intermission. That's 10 minutes. Shrink down the extra long bullfight. A lot of the scenes were an extra 30 seconds, an extra two minutes too long. And, and if they did some better editing, you could have had a really, really good two-hour movie. Yeah, I texted somebody. I think it was Steve Me. who texted you texted me. Well, I think I texted all you guys. Or I got texts too. Um, <laughs> one of you, I texted, uh, I'm 53 minutes into this movie and into the third hour of this bullfight. Yeah, <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Oh, that was Steve. Okay. Yeah. Well, Tom, yeah. so did you, I mean, it, obviously it seemed long, but did you enjoy the movie? No. Oh. Not, not at all. Tom said, one of the texts Tom sent me was that seriously... I long for Terrence Malick. <laughs> I'm watching this movie. It's one of the texts I got. It's oh. a, a direct true, quote. Yeah, yeah. True story. I said, I said, right? It wow. takes 80 days to watch. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I mean, it, it has a moment here or there, but it, oh man, it was rough. Yeah. This is sitting yeah. through three hours of mumbly British guys and, the grossest stereotypes on every continent. David Niven yeah. was awful. Uh, has, it, any, it, has anyone seen a movie where he's like a good leading man? I, I'm, yeah. I haven't. The Pink Panther. Okay. He's, no, because the the other guy like takes over. Inspector. Well, yeah, it's more uh, Clouseau, uh, yeah. He's such a leading man that like the next set of movies are not about him. They're about Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> he's the guy who, like, I mean, I've never seen... I know he was a big leading man at this time, but I haven't seen the performance where I'm like, okay, this is why, right? He uh, He's, again, somebody who his expression never changes. Yeah, yeah that's, it's not because he's drunk the whole time. Or is that, it? 
true. No, it's not. It probably is. It was the fifties. Yeah. He's English. No, actually, it was the uh, <laughs> the cop that's chasing them around the world. He 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 was the drunk in this movie. Uh, <laughs> he was drunk the whole time. No, he was he was a friend of David Niven, and Niven got him into the movie on the stipulation that he wouldn't drink. Oh mm. gosh. Which apparently he fulfilled that promise and then got so drunk afterward that he soon died later. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh my god. He didn't I don't think he made it to the release. Oh. So uh, but is- Shirley MacLaine is pretty. She yeah. is. Yeah. Um they don't give her a lot to do it, and she's for some inexplicable reason attracted to David Nevin. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely yeah. I could definitely see why Canton Flas was so popular in Latin America. In Spain, um, he like there are moments in here where I can see he has comedic chops. He reminded me of, of Charlie Chaplin a lot. Yeah, he's he's yeah. milking a scene for everything he can. The problem is like they left everything in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like every, and like there are there are scenes. <laughs> I, I think I I think I texted this to somebody too. It's just like I feel like I'm just watching these people's entire train ride. Yeah, yes. without mm-hmm. an edit, just mm-hmm. like. Watching them watch scenery go by. Yeah, that train scene was, oh my god, yeah. went on forever. Then there's the Indians boarding the train. Oh, that yeah. whole that whole scene was rough. Although they did um, have, they had like nice Indians and bad Indians. You don't so. you don't stop a freaking train to smoke a peace pipe. I, it's absurd. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. It, it's yeah. absurd, but at least there it wasn't just. <laughs> at least like, they were uh, nice about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying to give them some effort points. It made the Indians look like drug pushers because the one guy, <laughs> he he just took the polite little toke and tried to hand it back, and he's like, "No, you got to do it more." <laughs> Come on, <laughs> man! Don't be a pussy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then did you guys, the whole like, the cavalry going to rescue him from the Sioux was really that was. I mean. Every every imaginable offensive American stereotype, native or otherwise, they crammed into that. I don't know. Like the election scene seemed pretty accurate to me. <laughs> the what? The election scene. Yeah, unfortunately, you the can't election punch scene. people. That, that's the only office. part that didn't feel like they were <laughs> was yeah. a caricature of a of a culture. Yeah. Did you guys see the when the arrows were just bouncing off of Canton Flass on top of the train? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Literally bouncing off of them. I was like, okay. <laughs> He has plot like, armor. Yeah, plot armor. <laughs> plot armor. He's an NPC. You can't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> this movie also has tons of like cameos for the time, and if I, I remember correctly, it's one of the first ones to do a lot of like a yeah, lot yeah. of cameos, right? Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, that is part of the reason it won Best Picture. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't believe this won Best Picture, uh, uh, especially over two of the movies that it won over. Like over Giant and the King and I, over the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, over, over the Searchers, which didn't even get nominated. Like, yeah, wow, what were they doing that year? <laughs> Just screwing around. Apparently. It was entirely political as to why this movie won. Yeah, and yeah, this was the movie that basically created the idea of the cameo and popularized and they, the idea of so cramming poorly. as many as you can into three-hour epic comedy. Yeah, having Frank Sinatra just turn around. Yeah. yeah, like, like that's it. We can Not thank seen... we can thank this movie for Scavenger Hunt, which was even worse. So, did you say Scavenger Hunt? Did I see it or did I say it? Say it. Yes, he said uh-huh. it. Okay. Remember when I gave that movie a hard F? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Buster <laughs> Keaton delivers a couple of lines who and they're awful. Like why how do you use Buster Keaton and not have him at least do some kind of a pratfall? Who else? Oh gosh. Um Although it's funny, Peter Lorre. Oh, Peter Lorre. Goodness. Who I guess is was playing a Japanese man because in the credits they have his character drawn Japanese. With a samurai sword or something. Yeah. It was yeah. Weird. It was really weird. And his only lines are like, "You have no money, Yokohama no like you," and then it's just. Yeah, that was it's weird. So it's so strange. He's just there, there, and he doesn't even seem to be trying. He literally is not trying in that scene. He's just. Yeah. Where's my paycheck? Yeah. yeah. Moving on. Like a couple <laughs> of the cameos, like Marlena Dietrich was fine. Uh at the in the american saloon yeah this also shows you the problem with cameos where like if you're not a film scholar like i mean we're not even naming all of them but if you're not a film scholar the cameos aren't going to hold up right and that's a problem with cameos in films is that thrown in some like a pop culture reference in the 50s is not going to be a pop culture reference in the 2010s right in the 2020s it's in the further and further we get away from that i like i had to tell sarah that that was frank sinatra when he turned around Oh, wow. You know, and it's not that she doesn't know who Frank Sinatra is. She doesn't know what Frank Sinatra looks like. Yeah. And especially like in 1956 and just like a couple seconds when he turns around. Yeah. Even if you know who he is, it'd be easy to not realize. That's Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. Forget trying to tell her that it's Buster Keaton or Peter Lorre, you know. Right. Or anything else. Tom, Tom, did you bring up Scavenger Hunt because it it, it had (laughs) crossover acting in it? Is that why? Because the banker from this was it's also the lawyer for the past and Scavenger Hunt. Oh, it totally was. <laughs> oh, he was, really? Yeah. Huh. No, Scavenger Hunt is one of those overlong, bloated comedies full of cameos where nothing's actually funny. Oh, I laugh yeah. at stuff in Scavenger Hunt. Oh, yeah, yeah, Scavenger Hunt was better than this. Oh, yeah. I, I no, thought it was totally because great. of the racism. But. Well, there's that, <laughs> that too. too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think we've hit something that we weren't necessarily planning for, though, where None of us really love this movie. Um, right. I have never been so bored watching a film. I'm yeah. dead serious. I I ended up like, I, I would look over and I'd be like, oh, they're still on the train. I kind of like, at, at one point I got, I, I got my phone out and even playing around my phone, I still fell asleep. <laughs> like, I mean, I what this movie was very, very boring. And I, I, I fell asleep and I woke up and I'm like, oh, I think they're still in India. And I, I didn't feel like I'd really missed anything like yeah. it was just it was a incredibly boring film so well, brian, now we get to hear brian talk yeah, about I'm why curious. He we obviously all loved it what did you think about it <laughs> oh yeah right so, <laughs> the, the first time i watched this movie uh it was probably i think it was actually before i joined the podcast um i've been on this mission that has been on hold for a little while to watch every best picture winner ever and i had watched this one and it just the movie's bloated hmm. it's it's way too long and the version i watched was longer why so they added they added how, like, how is there anything like, left? as, as they yeah, were they're... getting into like every town they added like this little parade every what? single time they hate, added they i hate started... parades in real life i don't <laughs> want to watch them in films i, I, I say so i say parade but it was like this like there's like a little party every time they showed up in a new town. And it was just like, oh my God, just just make it stop. Yeah. So I like watched this super long director's cut of this movie, uh, I guess. And goodness. And it was so it sorry. was just 
it was it was the worst. I, I don't know why anyone thought that was a good idea. Um, and and I'll be honest, part of the reason I dislike this movie is because of, uh, well, part of it's the movie, but uh, another part is the fact of the matter that this one best picture most yeah, likely I can't... due to the fact most likely due to the fact that they paid off voters. Like I can't I can't possibly see yeah, any, I can't, I, any I, other I think, possibility other than that. I can kind of understand like all right, some some best picture winners have been questionable at best. Yeah. But I can kind of understand the the mentality behind it. I can't for the life of me understand why anyone anyone would think this was the best movie of nineteen fifty six. Even if you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You can't argue this is better than the Ten Commandments, than Giant, than The King and I. I haven't seen Friendly Persuasion, but I guarantee you it's better than Around the World in 80 Days. <laughs> I would, yes, I would take that. I would I would definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, just this movie is bad. Bad. Like, <laughs> bad. Yeah. It's full of stereotypes. It's full of way, yeah, too, read, ma- I... way too long scenes. I've read about this movie, and I thought the reviews would were hyperbolic. Uh, like the, the scenes, the scenes are way too long, <laughs> and it's full of those. Yeah. And I don't think I can say one good thing about this movie. Like even <laughs> even even the ending is too long when it just says like end music on the screen for another ten minutes. Like <laughs> like it, it's yeah. just it's just way yeah. And that and that six minute Saul Bass animated credits outro was terrible also so so let's grade this <laughs> yeah let's start with kevin <laughs> i think mine's gonna be the highest i'm gonna give it yeah a b. so i'm starting with kevin yeah i'm gonna give it a b um, a, b? a b yeah well steven tipped me off he's like hey it's three hours but you can it's easy to stop it and watch it in pieces so i <laughs> clearly did that it was, he turned you know, it into a miniseries. A half hour <laughs> here. Yeah, this would be a great miniseries. A half hour here, 45 minutes there. And it was So I gave it a B. Nate? F. Tom? F. Steven? I don't think I can give it an F. Uh, I'll give it a D, though. I can't. I, I can give it I, an F. No. <laughs> it's it's not. a great available to us. We can do this. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm surprised. I'm I surprised don't think it, that I'm giving an F. Why are you giving I thought, sympathy, Steve? I thought There's this no would reason. be... Yeah, no, I don't I think thought, it deserves I, an F. There's... I thought this would be like a mildly enjoyable film. Not a Best Picture winner by any means. I thought this would be mildly enjoyable. But the fact that it was bad and that it won Best Picture is like F. He's not giving the movie an F. He's giving society an F. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving 1957 society an F. How dare you give this movie Best Picture? And you know, every year for the Oscars, the clip of this movie winning is always one they show in the montage. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I guarantee everybody in the audience is like covering their eyes, like, <laughs> oh god. Well, and this one doesn't we come up when people talk about. They're always like Crash beating, you know, Brokeback Mountain. Well, sure, because that's recent. That's recent, but like this is so much more egregious, you know. Like people won't even acknowledge that Green Book won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like Green Book is a, a watchable movie that has yeah. theme and good acting, and so then with three Fs, a D, and a B, this gives it an average grade of a D, which is a uh, some kind of weird coat of arms. What coat of arms is that, Steve? I feel like I'm missing something. It looks like Brian. Is that Brian's coat <laughs> think, of arms? I think that's why Steve. I picked it because it looked like Brian. 
put together curly hair and a beard. A, Looks like Brian. That's a bit of a dig at Brian. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. It's not a flattering portrait of Brian. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I was just picking stuff, and I'm like, oh. Okay, looks like Brian. It, I'll pick that. Why is it so low down in the D's, Steve? It's either I was just picking Pavarotti. images. You guys were supposed to send me images for the for the grades, so That's I right. just picked placeholders. <laughs> Let's add this. All right, so we're now going to add Around the World in 80 Days to our flick chart. The first matchup is Around the World in 80 Days or Hard Eight. Hard Eight. Hard, hard eight. eight. Yeah, Hard Eight. Hard Eight. Um, around the world in 80 days or bottle rocket. Bottle rocket. Bottle rocket. Bottle rocket. Around the world in 80 days. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Wes Anderson. Brian hates you. No, I, I like Wes Anderson. I hate that movie. Bottle rocket still manages to eke out a win. Around the world in 80 days or California. California. California is. That's Brad the Brad Pitt, Pitt killer. and David Duchovny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. California. Yeah. When did you guys watch that? A while ago. Uh, you were fixing your house, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was during the uh, John Braille period. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we have periods. <laughs> You've yeah, been I say for like nine that. years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sure. Scott Staub period. The Scott yeah. Staub continuum. <laughs> the summer of JGL. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This year has been the year of Shirley MacLaine. It yeah, really right. has. Yeah. 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 It was a theme one week, and then she just happened to be in the next one. <laughs> Steve, which way did you go? Not. I think it went White Christmas. <laughs> California. California. California, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you say California, and now at this point, when you say California, I think of the wizard. Wizard, yeah. Oh. So, and I had the wizard in my head. I'm like, no, it's not the wizard. It's not the wizard. What movie is it? <laughs> yeah, so then I guess California. Brad Pitt's performance is okay in that. David Duchovny is still... Bad. He's still a bad actor. How the hell did he get a leading role on TV? Twice. Twice. The dog. Wait, the dog has something to say. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was going to ask if you could hear that. We're going to have to change our name back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. That's, for... uh, that's a little reference for the, if any of you have been with us for nine years, first off, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have not lived up to anything we've promised. <laughs> We're sorry. We were originally called Incidental Dog. Around the world in eighty days, or the master of disguise. Uh, around the world. Around the world in eighty days. Yeah. I would actually go the master of disguise. It's super annoying, but at least it's got that weird turtle scene. Why that's does everybody thing talk has. about this turtle scene like it's the positive? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like it's a terrible a scene. It, it's the best scene in a terrible movie. But it's still it's a terrible scene. scene. Yeah. So I guess around the world actually wins there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's first win. Around the world in 80 days or Far Cry. Far Cry. Around the world in 80 days. This is our one and only Uwe Bowl. It was the Junk best Junk uh, January movie we've ever done, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or was that Dead or Alive? Dead or Alive. Dead or Alive was the best oh, one, I think. We did that the same day. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was much better than Far Cry. Dead or Alive. Uh, I'm going to go Far Cry. I'm also going to go Far Cry. Far Cry was just like a generic action movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which is watchable. You watch it with the sound off, it's a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Completely cut out the dialogue. Uh, So Far Cry actually wins. We're getting down into ugly territory. I know. And the final, probably the final rating, let's see. Around the World in 80 Days or Ghost Dad. 
around the world. Around the world in eighty days. Yeah, around the world in around the world in eighty days. Well, Brian, you went ghost dad, right? I did. Yes. Okay, I thought I heard that. <laughs> Just for, in case anybody else missed that. <laughs> That's okay. No judgment. Around the world in eighty days is now number six. 117 on our flick chart out of 638 films. It right. is above Nuki, <laughs> The Adventures of Pluto Nash, and Fateful Findings. It is below Sympathy for Delicious. <laughs> Mark <laughs> Ruffalo terrible, loves that movie. <laughs> what a terrible title. He loves that movie. Mark, it's so bad. Yeah, it is. And I've told him that many times on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he posts something, we just, post, like, we just respond to. I'm so Timothy sorry, but we hated terrible. this movie. <laughs> That's why he won't respond to any of our official tweets. <laughs> That's the reason. <laughs> Mars Needs Moms. It's below Mars Needs Moms. And it's below Escape from Tomorrow. That's some esteemed company right there. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's hanging out in a good spot. All right, we're going to come back and talk about Kevin's classic that he hates, The Sound of Music. Welcome back to our mega cast, our nine-year podcast. I like that word. I'm going to use that. The mega cast. Uh, so for the next section, uh, I chose the 1965 Oscar-winning Best Picture. <laughs> Wait, hold it. It won six Oscars. Sorry, five Oscars, and was nominated for twelve. Um, it did not win for for Best Actress. Uh, anyway, The Sound of Music. Many people hold it up uh, in high regard. They consider this an obvious classic. They have great fond memories with it. Uh, some of us, not so much. So The Sound of Music uh, is set uh, at the beginning, right at the beginning of World War II uh, in Austria. The Von Trapp family, uh, the father and his five children, six children? Seven. Seven children. Massive children. A bunch of, yeah, a bunch of... Crotch goblins, is that what they call them? <laughs> Crotch goblins? I've never heard that, but, but I, I love it. I know, I really like it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start it when I ask somebody, how many crotch goblins you got? So, Nate, wouldn't it be much easier to to swallow if someone came up to you and Sarah instead of saying, when are you guys going to have kids? When are you guys going to have some crotch goblins? <laughs> some crotch goblins. <laughs> it just annoying, annoying, right? Start spitting some of those out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It just sounds like an STD. It does. Is it children or pubic lice? Yeah. It could be either. Could be both. You say you, you can get rid of pubic lice. No, a little bit of shampoo and you're all, all right. taken care of. All right. kids, so, I mean, you can get rid of children. It's just yeah. it's a lot yeah. less proud. It's a lot less yeah. approved of society yeah. lice. Yeah, yeah but children are worth more on the black market than pubic yeah. lice. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. This is all not right. a yeah, we're, we're going real <laughs> weird here. So let, let's roll it back in. The so, sound of music got dark. Oh gosh. <laughs> I would love to see Julie Andrews' face if she heard this conversation. She would probably laugh. Oh, she would at this Have point. Have you seen like Victor Victoria? Like she's oh, got yeah. a sense of humor. Yeah. She's she's hilarious. The real Maria von Trapp, on the other hand. Oh god. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Get out the switch. For for those that haven't seen this movie, uh like I Sadly attempted to say it was set in pre-World War II in Austria, the Von Trapp family and uh, the father and the children going through nannies on a regular basis. And Julie Andrews, who plays Maria the nun, to, I don't know, if she, does she have a last name? 
Not that it matters. So anyway, the the, the nunnery, the local nunnery, sends over Maria uh, as the latest in a line, and she gets the children to be on her side. They're not a bunch of brats. They try and play games on her, and, and the the movie takes you through her winning over the kids and then winning over the father, even though he's already engaged to be married, and she unintentionally and unknowingly weasels her way in between the two of them, culminates in, in them. Uh, the father tries to get uh, enlisted or, or drafted into the, the Nazi. She tries not to. He, yeah, he doesn't want to be. Um, he's completely against the, the German Nazis at this time, as most of his friends are. And it, it ends pretty much with them escaping and, and fleeing into the hills. And like many of our movies we've talked about and we'll talk about, there are a lot of nods to this movie and later movies, some serious, some funny. Are you just trying to put off listening to any of us <laughs> say anything good about this? Or? Well, no, no. Hey, I said I put this on here because I don't like it. So I, if you guys love it, hey, your that's, synopsis that's is your like three loss. hours long. As long as the movie. He uh, actually yeah. recited the movie from beginning to end. You should have seen him in the dress twirling. It was amazing. Yes. I, I suspect that Kevin's reason for hating this is being forced to watch it many times as Nate did. Yeah, I suspect Christmas. it's a white Christmas issue. Yeah. Yes. I uh, I grew up watching this movie. I I saw it many times as a child and I had seen it I think maybe once and like bits of it other times as an adult. I already liked this movie quite a bit. Um, and I was looking forward to rewatching it because I, I had wanted to rewatch it. It's in my top hundred on Flick Chart. It's been there for a while and it it cemented that for me. There's there's some historical inaccuracies that are kind of weird, like the fact that if they had tried to escape into the mountains, they would have been in, in Nazi Germany, right? Um, <laughs> not, not not Switzerland. And like in re in real life, they just like went on a train and escaped to Italy. Um, yeah. Like beyond that, and, and and they took a lot of liberties with the story, which I don't. That's fine. I don't mind. It, it's a wonderful film. Nearly every song in here is is memorable. Yeah. Julie Andrews is delightful. Uh, I I love Christopher Plummer. I, I don't I don't mind that he hated the film. Uh, <laughs> it, he said working with Julie Andrews. This is a famous quote from him. I, I had this queued up. He said working with Julie Andrews was like being hit over the head with a big Valentine's Day card every day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now it, it should be stated that they're friends now and that like it, you can find interviews of them like laughing about it yeah and he's also admitted to being arrogant at this point in his life yeah um, mm -hmm. he, he was a celebrated stage performer uh and he thought of this as just sentimental dreck yeah i i, I don't really have anything bad to say about this movie yeah i'm with you on this tom i think this is i i didn't watch this since i was really young again it's probably been like 10 maybe 15 years since i've seen this film because I watched it a lot as a kid, and watching it as an adult, I was really it, it was it was great. It, again, it's what you said. It cemented its kind of its greatness for me. This is a masterpiece. Um, it's one that deserved its best picture win. Yes, it's brilliant. The music is wonderful. How it's shot, it's really impressive that they actually went to like Salzburg and so much of the exteriors. Yeah, every single shot looks different. There's an actual moment like those mountains in the background are all real. The lake. There's an actual moment where they're singing, and they couldn't have staged this. Four swans just fly down and, like, land, you know, like, mm -hmm. so picturesquely on, onto this water. 
it's stunning. <laughs> Unless there was some like intern in the back, like, all right, all right, release the swans. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, it's and then the music is catchy. It's sentimental, but there's still this. It's fascinating how there's still this bit of bit of tension, and Christopher Plummer's his his cynicism, his character keeps it. And then the the music is just I, iconic. Every, every song in this. So that's that's all I I have to say. I mean, it's it's just it's a deserved masterpiece. Well, Julie Andrews is fantastic in this. Oh gosh! Right. Not um, to mention beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, but very talented as well. Like yeah. singing, acting, everything. Um, that's about all of this movie I liked. What? Uh, really? Yeah, I I haven't seen this since I was a kid. I remember liking it as a kid, but I was a kid, so I didn't know better. Uh, I an adult, you don't know better. Apparently, <laughs> I I was. It's it's not that it was bad. I was just bored. I was genuinely bored. I not. I wasn't drawn into the movie until the last fifteen minutes. The last fifteen minutes, I was like, oh, okay. Now I was actually felt I cared about the characters and wasn't just waiting for the next musical number, which is what White Christmas should have been, right? You're just waiting for the next musical number. I thought that had a more engaging story than this. How dare you? <clears throat> I, I just was not. <laughs> I, I I could not get involved. Christopher Plummer was irritating. He he felt the arrogance on him. He felt like he thought he was too good to be in this movie, and it came across in his performance. Uh, the kids were just whatever. Uh, I didn't. They there was nothing about them that was that stuck out to me. Uh, and the, again, the story just wasn't all that interesting. It was very kind of bland until the Nazi stuff started coming in, and it, even then, it just seemed kind of like on the periphery. Until the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, and but I, I appreciate the you don't you don't see this facet of Nazism very much where it crept into daily life. I agree, but they didn't need two and a half hours to creep, and then a half an hour or twenty minutes of uh, the and actual I've actually, thing. But I've I didn't actually think heard... it was really about that. That was just part of the story. It's not... I thought it was a nice subtext to it because it yeah. is all this happy thing, and yet. It also kind of comments on this family's naivete, Austria's naivete, Europe's sense of they're like, Austria's going to be fine. And everyone around them, every single signal is that it's clearly not. And it's the same with Maria, where it's like, she's like, if I just sing and it's okay, like, what should I do? She has to eventually make a st- take a stand. Unfortunately, by the time they have to, they, they have to run away. I saw a lot more social commentary watching it as an adult that I thought was actually really fascinating. Because uh, Salzburg actually famously like welcomed the Nazis in, and so I, I thought it was really interesting how they played that up. How this guy's trying to hold on to his heritage, but if he's not willing to fight for it, he's not going to be able to. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 all that, all of that stuff is in the last. Like you really start getting into it the last twenty minutes of the movie. Before that, it's just kind of, it's a not quite a comedy of errors, but that kind of thing. And I just. I, I I was bored. I, I was bored. I could not care any less about what was happening in this movie. All I cared about was, and the music was great. I actually think some of the songs that don't involve Julie Andrews are pretty forgettable. I didn't. You. I I didn't like them. I thought that I was. They were like what? Bland. Like the song between the song and dance number. Between the oldest girl and her boyfriend towards the beginning. Oh, I love that. That's going on 17. No, it was boring. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. really boring. Mm -hmm. 
How do you solve a problem like Maria? It's not. Yeah. No. Brian, you've been kind of quiet. I had never seen this movie before. What? No way. <laughs> wow. This was what. So, out of all the best pictures that you've seen, that you haven't seen, this was one of them. That's interesting. The way I chose to do it was really weird. Uh, I started from the back and worked forward for a while. <laughs> and then I was like, no, 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 let's go more recent and then go backwards. So, I kind of like missed this one. It fell the in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard parts of, if not all of every song, uh, just due to my father singing them. Uh, I have a cousin named Maria, so how do you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> was, was sung to sung her at family reunions all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Poor kid. I, I guarantee any Maria living through 1965 had a hard life. I hated this song. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like being named Jeremy in 1991. Oh, <laughs> that's rough. I, I think the movie was a little long, not tremendously so, but where I would shave off anything, I'm not sure. The speed at which the kids came around and, and liked her was convenient. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, we, we disliked you at dinner time and now we're all friends because you sang us a, a song about your favorite things. Well, I think they uh, disliked the idea of her. That's kind of the way I see it. They'd gone through so many governesses by that point and probably none of them actually liked them. And at dinner, she calls them out yeah. without, you know, she, she calls them out in that really sneaky way, talking about how their thank you was so kind and so nice. Right. Without right. Adding, outing them to their father. Without so outing she, them to their father. She wins them over with passive aggressiveness. Yes, sure. she does. Yeah. She shows them that, like, she totally understands what they're doing. You know, we call it passive aggressive, but it was the sense of, like, hey, you guys hurt me, um, but I'm going to live with it. I'm still here. Yeah, but, but I mean, the I, I had no real problems at all with this movie. Um, the, the only thing I, I was having issues with was uh, the, the girl who plays Liesl. Despite the fact that she's only like 23 in this movie. Right, she's clearly not a child. <laughs> she certainly looks like she's older than that. So <laughs> the, the You Are 16 Going on 17 song, I was like, she looks almost as old as Julie Andrews in this movie. And it's just like, it was yeah, really she was distracting. 22, <laughs> Julie Andrews was like 29. Yeah. I read that uh, there was some attraction between her and Christopher Plummer, which is just weird to think about. Yeah. She and never Chris, acted again, though. And what's weird is, like, Christopher Plummer's younger than me in this movie, but he seems so much older. He seems old, yeah. I, I'm noticing that a lot in, like, older films. Yeah. I look up people's ages, and I'm like, this guy's younger than me? <laughs> like, well, in White Christmas, Bing Crosby is only 22, so. Yeah. No way. <laughs> That's what drinking does to you. <laughs> no, but it's like. Uh, something I don't know. It's like guys just seemed old. They hit thirty and they just seemed old in yeah. the old days. Christopher Plummer has been in over two hundred movies, and he'd be he'd be like ninety this year, I think. Yeah, I feel like we should hand it over to Kevin now. Kevin, tell us why this is such a wonderful film. So, not knowing, I I did fall into the same problems that Nate did with his. Yeah, I was sexually forced to watch this movie. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, what? Sexually forced? 
Show us, show us where this movie touched you on the doll. Did you say uh, essentially forced or yes, sexually? yes? No, that's what I meant. Essentially, essentially okay. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah there was a Freudian slip there. Slip there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I rarely, if ever, watched this as a kid growing up. It wasn't until Kathy and I started dating a long time ago. Oh, no, was this her like Titanic? Th- yes, this was her Titanic. Mm. Yeah. Anytime I would hear these songs, and this is this was always on during the holidays. And so whenever we would come up to visit her family, it was always on. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I I would take naps. I would leave the house. I would do whatever I could <laughs> to get away from this movie because it was on constantly. It's a very long movie. Not as it didn't. It's not feel, as long as Around the World. I was going to say it didn't feel days. as long yeah. as Around the World. In the 80s, but it's it's pretty close to it in actuality. Honestly, I don't have any major problems with the movie other than its length. And I'm just sick of it. I am so sick of this damn movie. Uh, uh, did you actually watch it? I did. I did rewatch okay. the whole thing. I have a lot of respect for Julie Andrews, and that's pretty much the only thing that kept me watching this. Yeah. So it's one yeah. of the greatest voices of all time. Oh, I mean, absolutely. like a four octave range. It's it's stunning. Good for her. Yeah. Yay. She'd worked with Rogers and Hammerstein though on, on their actual stage stuff. Which we haven't really mentioned. This was the um, the song Edelweiss is the last thing that uh, Oscar Hammerstein ever wrote. Right. And it's not, and which is kind of interesting. It sounds like an Austrian folk song, and no one in Austria has ever sung it. Yeah, yeah that, that's weird <laughs> to me. I always I thought that was a traditional Austrian song. Yeah. In fact, very few people in Austria have seen this movie unless you go into like a tourist hotel. Right. Like then they show it like all the time, but people in Austria are like, "No, we've never heard of this." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you you would expect like Arnold Schwarzenegger or someone like grew up on it or Christoph Waltz, and they're like, right. "Nope, nope, never, never seen this Julie Andrews <laughs> that you speak of." Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's grade this, Tom. Uh, this is one of the easiest days I've ever given on this okay. podcast. I was trying to remember my kind of the feelings that you guys had for this, uh, Nate. An A, yeah. Brian? It's an A. Steven? C. Ah, you. Have you told Natasha you gave this a C? She wouldn't even sit down and watch it with me. What? <laughs> Apparently she didn't want the fun it. sucked out of it for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when Kathy found out I was doing this, she's like, oh, you're watching this for the podcast? I said, yeah, I picked it because it's the one I hate. <laughs> <laughs> it was just silence from her. It was so oh, funny. She was and, like, oh. Yeah, she yeah. wouldn't sit down and divorced. watch it with me. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a D. I was a between D. a C and a D, yeah. and I'm like, no, I'm giving it a D. It's, it's not because a... the movie touched him in bad places. <laughs> <laughs> well, with three A's, a C, and a D, that gives The Sound of Music a B, which is a Deadpool for us. Yeah, That's, that's very Sound of Music. Oh, I see that. That would be awesome to watch Deadpool redo this. <laughs> And he plays Maria. I guarantee you Wade Wilson loves this movie. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course he does. He probably wants to do terrible things to Julie Andrews. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to add the sound of music to our flick chart. Flick chart's website you can use to rank movies against each other. Here we go. The first matchup is Sound of Music or Copland. Sound of Music. Sound Sound of music. Music. Copland. Yeah, Copland. Sound of Music wins... This is going to be interesting. The Sound of Music or The Witch? Sound of Music. Sound, sound of Music. Sound the of w- Music. The Witch. Sound of Music. Oh, okay. I didn't like the Witch. 
Sound of Music, or here we go, Two Big Hollywood Heavyweights, or Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Citizen Kane. <gasps> Tom's the deciding vote. It happened. It happened. <laughs> Guys, I'll feel good. About yourselves. <laughs> Very much so. We didn't mean to do that. That was no. natural, Tom. Wow. But I wish we did. <laughs> Nine years. This is what it's taken. Oh. <laughs> this choice. You're you want to break it down? I'm going to say it. I'm scared, all right? <laughs> Guys, I think we broke Tom. <laughs> Deep breaths. Deep cleansing he's gonna, breaths. He's going to need a moment. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Peanut is neither a pea nor a nut. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the sound of music. Wow. It's a big deal. Yeah. When's the last time you saw Citizen Kane? It's been a few years. One week since you looked point. at me. Yeah. Um, okay. Actually, when we did it in the podcast, I think, was the last time I watched it. Okay. So this might be recency bias, but... One thing that's interesting about Sound of Music, this poster has uh, Ralph and Leitzel like, kissing. That's one of the few musicals I've seen where normally there's two romantic like couples, and that's one where one of them like doesn't work out because the right. guy you know becomes a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> <Which is> like, <laughs> well, on the list of reasons why it wouldn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, are you a Nazi? Yeah. <laughs> that puts the Sound of Music at number 45 on our flick chart. It's in our top 50. I'm totally okay with that. It is below um, Scream of Fear, Papillon, and Lady Vengeance. What the hell is Scream of Fear? God, I, what did I miss when I was gone? You need yeah. to watch that, Brian. <laughs> it's really good. All right, we're going to come back and talk about Tom's film, Kelly's Heroes. It's a very I, need to, I need to go upgrade to whiskey before I do this. So. <laughs> Got my Johnny Walker Red. I decided to actually buy some good whiskey this time. It makes a difference. It does. Mainly with the uh, hangovers. I was gonna say, it doesn't hurt as much the next day. Yeah. Not to Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about what's in the vicinity. You don't get a hangover. You don't stop drinking. <laughs> Any guy that could get that cozy with Grace Kelly knows what he's doing. All right. So my classic that I hate, uh, we've actually done quite a few of them on this podcast already. So... I decided to choose 1970 film Kelly's Heroes, which apparently nobody else in the podcast knew about. Correct? Yeah. I'd never yeah. even heard of it. Yeah. Uh, but in film forms, it's highly regarded. I mean, it's got like a 7.7 .7 on IMDb. It's pretty high up there on Flickchart. I watched it a few years ago, and I thought it was garbage. It stars Clint Eastwood as a Clint Eastwood type, and he's in World War II. And he hears about this Nazi gold, and he hires a bunch of male stereotypes to help him go steal it. That's pretty much the plot. I like how all these synopsis have been so unbiased. <laughs> it's funny making a person who hates the movie give the synopsis. Yeah. It really is. I don't know. Really I, thought my, I thought mine was pretty unbiased. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he rounds up a Telly Savalas type, played by Telly Savalas. And he rounds a Don up a, Rickles type. A Don played... Rickles type, played by Don Rickles. And, and a then, flower, a and flower child played by Donald, Donald Sutherland. Carol O'Connor plays a Carol O'Connor type. So, having absolutely no idea how anybody is going to feel about this, I'm going to start at the 
top, I think, because this seems like a Kevin movie. I'm curious how Kevin felt about this. I, growing up, I used to watch a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. Not on purpose. I, it was, oh, I forget <laughs> the, the movie channel or, or the channel on the TV that always showed these movies. Um, not this, but it's I, Channel 11? Uh, it was it was number twelve on the knob. I might no, been. I'm serious. I'm <laughs> serious. Channel Channel Eleven, growing up in the New York area, showed a lot of stuff from this era. Yeah, was it, it was... the Turner Classic or um, TV? No, 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 no. This, this was this was broadcast. TCM. Yeah, oh, okay. broadcast TV. Um, Channel Eleven, Channel Eleven out of New York showed a lot of stuff like this. Yeah. So, and I'm surprised I I hadn't seen it or remembered any of it really. This is right in my wheelhouse. I figured. Yeah, it's <laughs> despite the fact that he convinces dozens <laughs> of people working for our government to do a despicable thing. This is a good movie. Um, <laughs> but what I love about that, though, is he convinces a bunch of people to do a despicable thing and it accidentally does a nice thing. Yeah, yeah it accidentally uh, saves yeah. the yeah. world. Let's, let's liberate <laughs> this like town while we're stealing all its gold. Yeah. Although, I mean, okay, the gold doesn't belong to the town, so you get mm -hmm. that. It's you know, you're you're kind of you're, you're yeah. And why should they the, have any of it? I, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. They don't even give any to the town. They they give what like forty bars to the the German who is also destroying the town at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, um, yeah. The the underlying story to this is horrible, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it's an awesome movie, but I had a lot of fun watching this thing. I really did. Yeah, the only one who seems to be acting is Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Oh, the rest of them beautiful. are just having a blast. Baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I loved his performance in this. Um, it reminded me of Fast... No, Animal House. Um, have you guys seen him in Animal House? Um, yes. It's similar. This is kind of the Animal House of War movies. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the Animal House of War movies. Yeah. That's uh, fair. It's Yeah, so seeing him in it, it was just... You wouldn't think that would fit, but somehow it's it is. Perfect. He's like, hey, man, yeah, you know, we just take this large pipe and weld it onto the turret. <laughs> makes them think we've got a 55 millimeter out in there. And, oh, they love it. And, and sometimes we just load them with paint, so it makes a nice splash. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks of this shit? And, and half the army is like, yeah, that's just him. Leave him alone. Don't bother. No, that, that wouldn't happen. It's yeah, odd no. yeah, it, odd yeah. it was just, it was so absurd. It was funny. I actually was really surprised. I think uh, this movie may have been greatly helped because I watched it like directly after Around the World in 80 Days. <laughs> and this movie had like a plot and uh, characters who, while they're do doing a despicable thing, the movie never seems to take itself seriously, never seems to take anything seriously. Yeah, um, and even the title is satirical. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they, they're not actually being held up as good guys, right. you know, yeah, which yeah. I, I appreciate. Yeah. Sorry, and they Nathan. kind of no 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 it's it's fine because it's you're totally right they're not being held as good guys I like how it also develops it takes its time he doesn't just run in and be like I heard about this Nazi gold he finds out about it he starts this scheme he has to, he does have to get kind of everybody convinced and then it just goes off on kind of just this wild weird adventure and I was a I was with it the whole way you know I was kind of it was strangely fascinatingly weirdly riveting. Yeah. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. You think, you know, as he's got to tell more people about this, you realize everybody's share is getting smaller and smaller mm -hmm. and smaller. And you're going, you know, by the time he actually gets the gold, the, the 16 million, it was it 16 or 160? 
16, I thought. 16 million. 16, okay, 16 million. So by the time he gets there, you're like, he's going to have to divide that up 300 ways and everybody's going to wind up with 50 grand or get court-martialed and dishonorable yeah. discharge. But then they find neat ways to, okay, well, now it's just down to 12 guys. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. so you kind of, you're almost rooting for him at that point to get the larger share because he did all this work. And if it wasn't for him and, and the core guys there, none of them would have had anything. I mean, this, this movie felt partly because... Tom hated it, and so I went in expecting it to be awful. And I, I got the characters are just they're the characters aren't good guys, but they're yeah. likable. I liked everybody. I, I yeah. they these are not people I'd want to hang out with, but I'd want to hear <laughs> stories of someone who hung out with them. So yeah. Brian, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I don't think this movie earned its ending at all. I would have felt much better if there was no gold at all. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I honestly feel like at the end of this, you know, you have all these people. Not only do they liberate a town in France, but oh, we're also like going to get seven eighths of a million dollars a piece. Like that just seems it seems too fortuitous. Um, I, I think I think I felt the same way the first time watching it. I, I watched this movie and I'm like, they should have gotten nothing. And, and that would have been fine with me. So I. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. It was okay for what it was. It was a war movie. It it wasn't the big red one, <laughs> which is fine, which is a good thing. Yeah, I, I watched it, and it was over, and that was that, and I'll probably never go back to it. Yeah, at the end, um, when they the tank blows open the door to the bank, mm -hmm. and they close in on the the sheet and when he throws that off and you saw just the boxes I, it took me a second to realize okay those are crates of gold and for a split second there i thought huh there's no gold and i was okay with that yeah i honestly I, brian i see what you're saying i would have been okay if they didn't get the gold because two things immediately popped into my head one that truck no way in hell is equipped to carry that much gold <laughs> yeah. and those yeah. guys it would have been riding on its axle the whole way. Yeah. And then two, how did these guys just somehow happen to get 40 bars of gold out of the country each Yeah. without getting noticed? And the, the little nitpicky things like that. So they were going to sell it. But then how are they going to sell all that gold without... Don Rickles has a, has a way. <laughs> so I, I would have been happy if there was no gold there. I didn't have a problem with them getting the gold either. Like they they weren't despicable characters. They they weren't altruistic, right? Um, and like doing a good thing coincided with self interest, right? And there, but they weren't bad people. But everything up until that point was going against what was expected. You know, where we are, yeah. Our vehicles got bombed by our own planes. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> We ended up in a minefield. We we lost a few guys there. The tank was going to meet us there, but the bridge that they were going to cross literally got blown up right before they went over it. All that stuff had gone wrong. It, the, the fact that the ending didn't, I, I don't feel like they needed that. I guess in some ways the ending's unexpected because they have to make a deal with the Germans, right? They have to make a deal with the Nazis, and that's how they get the gold. That's some that was somewhat surprising to me. They just walk out. Uh, one of the things I was like, they come didn't on. get shot right there was yeah, and that they they played this the Western music that's clearly a Clint Eastwood like homage. I'm like, all right, but 
Homage is a nice word for it. Yeah. Illusion, I guess, might be more accurate. Then they go into the bank. A ripoff, sure, that too. So, Tom, go for it. Yeah, as I was rewatching this, I was writing stuff down. I'll just read. I'll read what I wrote. This is billed as a comedy. It comes from the louder is better school of comedy. This idea of humor being guys saying things as loudly as possible is funny. Uh, It also expects me to accept it as light comedy when it's brutally killing people every few scenes. So it's a total mess, a tonal, total tonal mess. I compare this to one of my favorite films, Three Kings, which is all about, also about soldiers going AWOL for enemy gold. But those men find her- those men find heroism within themselves along their journey, and Kelly's quote-unquote heroes do not. Uh, then this film gets made on the heels of the spaghetti western phase of Clint Eastwood's career. The ending is some of the most derivative tripe I've ever seen, trying to pass itself off as some Sergio Leone epicness that doesn't earn it emotionally or artistically. Not to mention its attitudes toward women, interpolating a bit, but rape jokes being hilarious, as if men forced to go for a few months without sex naturally turn their minds toward animalistic impulse. But it's okay because they're just war-stressed soldiers who need to get out of their systems. This is a movie made for men by men without an empathetic thought in their heads who think the Dirty Dozen is the height of cinematic greatness and who probably thought the ending of The Wild Bunch was awesome and not horrifying. Donald Sutherland's good, though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anything you said was necessarily, like, wrong. I still liked it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think part of the point is they're... They're not heroes. The heroes is, yeah. They, they, then, they never imply that they're heroes. They're forced to be there. They don't want to be there. And they're trying to get what they can out of it. They're not good guys. And I, I accepted that from the very beginning. Yeah. I think by comparison to Three Kings is... Oh, yeah. And Three yeah. Kings Sure. Is, yeah. yeah. Three Kings guys that, is a lot better. Yeah. They're going off to get, you know, Iraqi gold, Iraqi Nazi gold, whatever. But along the way, they see the atrocities happening and they're feelings on their mission change and i just don't see any of that happening here i I see this as just perpetuating this macho stereotype and putting up as some good thing all right do you want to grade this yeah let's grade this start with kevin again i'm torn between an a and a b only because of the morality of it um (laughs) i would gladly watch this again and recommend it to anybody over 30 (laughs) so you know i'm going to give it an a but uh, you'll see where it falls when we start to rank it Steve? Yeah, I'm with Kevin. It's between an A and a B for me, but I'm going to give it a low A just because I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going I'm to give it a B. It's not a great movie. It's, um, the ending isn't earned, but I, I don't think it's trying to be that great. It's part. The main issue is that it's doing this during wartime, but otherwise it's a ridiculous heist film. Ryan? C. All right, I'm going to give it an F. An F? With two A's, a B, a C, and an F, Kelly's Heroes gets a C plus. Yeah, I didn't expect you guys to hate this. I just found it morally repugnant and derivative. And it yeah, was like, one of my notes is um, that I don't think they can cram any more testosterone in this movie. So it definitely <laughs> is, you know, a guy movie kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah, and I, I, and I take issue with that idea. Mm-hmm. That this is what a guy's movie is. Like, just pure testosterone, no empathy. It's a uh, stereotypical guy movie. It's yeah. not everything, but not every movie can be everything. For 1970s? Yeah. 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 Kelly's Heroes, we're going to add this to our flick chart. Its global ranking is 765. Wow. 
this is what I'm talking about. This is the fact that it's regarded so highly makes it even worse. First film it comes up against is Paul Thomas Anderson's Hard Eight. Kelly's Heroes. Hard Eight. Kelly's Heroes. Hard Eight. Yeah, and we're stuck. Have you not seen Hard Eight? I have not seen Hard Eight. Oh, I'll budge and go Kelly's Heroes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That we were not stuck, Tom. <laughs> puts Kelly's Heroes in the positive half of our chart, and it's now up against Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Captain America. Captain America. Captain America. Yeah. Agreed. Any Captain America movie. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Kelly's Heroes or Fitzcarraldo? Kelly's Heroes. Kelly's Heroes. Fitzcarraldo. Fitzcarraldo is the man trying to move a boat over a mountain, right? Uh, not trying. He successfully did it. I'm sure they won me a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Fitzcarraldo. Brian? I will too, yeah. All right. Fitzcarraldo wins. Thank you. What is Alien Covenant doing in the top half of our chart? Because it's amazing. <laughs> Kelly's Heroes versus the worst alien movie. <laughs> it's not Kelly's the worst. Heroes. Shut up. We've all seen three. Hang on, I've got to remind myself which one this one is. The sequel to Prometheus. Oh, it's got James Franco in it. I'm going the other one. <laughs> no, James Franco plays a dead guy. It doesn't matter. He His name is on this. I'm going to go Alien uh, Covenant. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, I'm going Alien Covenant. I, re- I love the whole series. I got at least three for Alien Covenant. Uh, I'm going Kelly's Heroes. And Steve. It, Tom, if you were trying to get us to go Alien Covenant, you should start off with the worst Alien movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> really, it's a terrible pitch. It has two bad scenes. It has After that, maybe it's, it's two wonderful. good scenes in it. Alien Covenant wins. I'm not happy about either. Uh, Kelly's calm Heroes. Calm down, Bing Crosby. Just calm down. <laughs> Whiskey mellows out some people. <laughs> Anytime um, someone's had a couple of drinks and is grouchy, we're just going to call him Bing Crosby. <laughs> he doesn't get grouchy in that movie. He doesn't get anything in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Kelly's Heroes or The Great Dictator? The Great Dictator. The Great Dictator. Yeah, The Great Dictator. Oh, thank God. <laughs> is this we're a, not is, monsters. Uh, is yeah, this a no. <laughs> test or is this a uh, better movie test? I've, I've been thinking about this watch test thing recently, and, and I have a better criterion. It, it shouldn't be the movie that you'd rather watch right now. It's the movie that you'd rather... Only one of them you'd ever be able to watch again. Kelly's Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> if I can only watch one for the rest of my life? Well, of these two. Of these two? Yeah. I'd rather I'd watch Kelly's Heroes. Kelly's Heroes. That's absurd. I, I don't think it's a better movie. Why'd but, you change the watch test, Tom? Why'd you change the watch I, test? I, that because actually, I thought it was more... <laughs> See, now I have to change totally my backfired. You think we have morals. That's the problem. <laughs> I, I made it too much. I made it too cerebral. That's my mistake. So we can say, if we can say, well, watch test. We don't have to actually commit to anything. But now you're saying we can only watch one of these movies. That's a little yeah. too concrete. I can't deal with that. Yeah. Is The Great Dictator 3 to... Two or four to one now. Three to two. I think oh, I'm, I'm still going Great Dictator. Yeah, that yeah. wins. Four to one? Yeah. Yes. All right, Great Dictator wins. That puts Kelly's Heroes right up against the Great Dictator at 297. We're going to come back and talk about our final film, which is Steve's pick, Blade Runner. My choice for classics that we hate 
is Blade Runner. This has been a long-standing thing on the podcast. A little behind-the-scenes inside info. I'm a little bit of a sci-fi nerd. And the fact that I don't like this movie has been a point of contention. <laughs> or Metropolis or 2001. Yeah, those, those suck. There's too. no evidence uh, that you are a sci-fi nerd. <laughs> he likes uh, Star Wars, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a Western. So this was uh, Ridley Scott, 1982. Um, I guess mine's the most modern of all of them that we did. But the well, we uh, watched we watched the 2007 Final Cut. Yes, we watched the which is the only one that he had full creative control over. Which I'm not really sure what the difference is because I've never cared enough. There's huge differences. Okay, yeah. well you guys can talk about that. That way I don't have to engage in it. <laughs> so this is uh, based on. To Android Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick, um, a bounty hunter uh, that they call Blade Runners, chase down androids that are called replicants and kill them for reasons. Uh, um, actually, I'm curious what Brian, I've never heard Brian actually talk about this movie, so I'm curious what Brian That's has because said. I've never watched it until today. <laughs> oh, okay. Not today, but okay. like last week. Um, so I'll start with Brian and you guys can go, go from there. Because when we would, because when Tom and I would yell at Steve, Brian would just sit there. <laughs> this is never a favorite of mine, but the fact that somebody who would keep calling themselves the sci-fi guy on the podcast <laughs> doesn't like this movie. Just putting this movie down like unrepentantly. It's ridiculous. Mm. But yeah, Brian, Brian Steve Brian. wants to know your opinion. That's that's, that's great because <laughs> Steve's wrong. Uh, <laughs> As Brian commonly loves to tell us. <laughs> at, at any point I can. Um, no, this this movie was very well crafted. This, this setting that it puts itself in is marvelous. I, I love the whole, I don't even know what to call it. Is it cyberpunk? Like it, it, it almost it, it feels cyberpunk. But it basically, like, it basically like created the tech noir. Yeah, it's uh, like film noir genre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had I had some problems with the technology in the movie, like where he scans in a picture and he's able to like move around corners and shit. Yeah, that scene. I will agree that seems a little odd. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, why? How is that easier than just kind of like using a mouse? <laughs> oh, the, with the coordinates and stuff? Yeah, that, yeah that was a bit odd. Um, but, I mean, aside from some weird little nitpicky things in this movie, I I felt like the only thing that would have made this movie better for me was if I got more backstory to it. I have no issues with it, really. No major nits to pick. I thought Harrison Ford did a good job. I thought Rutger Hauer did a good job. This almost seems a little prescient too, with the uh, the prevalent of in not so far as in reality, but on social media, the prevalence of bots and things like that. Can you tell if it's a real person? Can you not? Um, I mean, that that's kind of interesting to me as well. That's a facet I haven't even thought of <laughs> either. Yeah, that's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. But um, I I really like this movie. Yeah, I think it's. Uh... I mean, you've pointed out a lot, Brian. I think it's a. This is generally considered a very influential film. Yeah, Ridley Scott, what he did with this and Alien, and how he showed that sci-fi, and just how he showed that genres can kind of cross. Right? You can have a sci-fi neo-noir. You can have a sci-fi horror. 
um, that genre film doesn't have to be limited just to its own rules that it can put together. I think it's fair to say that changed film. I think that might be his biggest influence that he's ever had. History-wise, when it was first released, like Steve, you asked the differences. If you ever go and watch the original theatrical one, it's pretty bad. Uh, there's Harrison Ford. They made him do a lot of voiceover. He explains yeah. everything as it's happening. They cut out... So spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. They cut out the unicorn being left. They cut out the unicorn dream scene. So there's no hint that he actually is a replicant. They remove a lot of the complexity. And in, in a lot of ways, it also I think it takes away a lot of Harrison Ford's performance, which I think this is his best performance that he's ever given. Really? I think, yeah, I really do. I think this is... It's uh, it's it's a lot better, and I I think it really does. It's it's asking these deep, intense questions that sci-fi is supposed to ask, while doing it within the context of a tense thriller, which I think, and I also think anybody just coming wanting to know how to make a good thriller, this would be a movie to watch. Not even a sci-fi film, but a good sort of noir thriller. I saw this um, maybe four or five years ago for the first time. Uh, it was one that I'd always wanted to see, and I'd, I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but I'd never sat down to watch the whole thing. And in general, I had a good experience, but I wasn't I wasn't trying to analyze it at all, so I was just kind of absorbing the visuals, really. And so this time when I was watching it, obviously slightly differently, and I didn't enjoy it as much. And I think that's because of how I was watching it. I, and I don't know if I necessarily... Because we've talked about this a lot, you know, sometimes you, you get a different experience, uh, or at least some of us think you get a different experience when you watch a movie critically or not. Yeah, um, yeah. I almost wish I hadn't rewatched it um, because it did change my perspective. Uh, there, Nate, you mentioned a lot of things that, yeah, it does deserve a lot of respect for the, but this time coming through, just for me, it didn't age well uh, in the technology of the film. Um, not a, of the society it was trying to portray, but just how it portrayed it. And I understand it was a limitation of the time. And, and kind of, it makes sense. I really enjoyed, what was it, 2014? Or uh, when was the last? 2049? That one came oh, God, uh, only two yeah, years two ago. years ago. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I did too. And, and Yeah, me too. And you know what? Actually, I bet you I watched Blade Runner. So it was probably only two years ago to watch it before I watched 2049, just so I can understand it better. I still think, I, I wouldn't say this isn't a classic. I still think it is. Like some of the movies, like Around the World in 80 Days you talked about. And, and It's old, but not a classic. Right. This, I think, still is definitely a classic. I just didn't enjoy it as much. This is my third time watching it. And the first, the first time I watched it, it was the theatrical version. Second time was the quote-unquote director's cut. And this time was the final cut, which is Ridley Scott's definitive cut. The first time I watched this movie, I didn't like it at all. But the, the director's cut, I thought, improved it a lot. This time watching it, I could definitely tell the difference. It, you could see a lot more of the detail because especially the original theatrical cut was so dark. This version of it, it's still kind of like it's a dark noir film, but there are some really beautiful images. You can see a lot more of the detail. Took out the stupid narration. Yeah. It's definitely a better film. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what to say about it besides what we've already said. It's it's highly influential. I mean, there were dozens of movies that came out during the 80s that were trying to emulate this movie. This is one of the best world-building films probably ever made. And how it does it so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that most of this is practical effects and miniatures is really impressive. 
because you know any movie nowadays doing this level of world building would be almost like a totally CGI environment. Right. And this is a camera actually moving through a physical environment, you know, with modifications, obviously, but it's really impressive. And the the just the way they were trying, they're able to get the effect of these ships flying around, and I I just I find practical stuff so much more impressive. Agreed. Yeah. Even now, even though this is like a 2007, you know, they did some digital work on it to you know modify subtle things but to me that's kind of like the best of how cgi can be reused yeah i'm i'm impressed i'm it's, it's still not i kind of disagree with nate like i'm i'm actually more invested in this film when it's on rutger hauer hmm. uh than harrison ford but the idea of your memories not being your own like i mean movies like ghost in the shell wouldn't exist without this movie so right just for its world building and its influence and its aesthetic that that's kind of the thing that really impresses me about this even if i'm not totally drawn in emotionally emotionally i just find this to be a really technically impressive film and just to be clear you're talking about the anime not the well not either, the Scarlet one, either, <laughs> either one wouldn't exist but yeah i'm talking about the anime ghost in the show with just the idea of your memories not being your own that's like a deep horror concept to me you yeah know? you not being who you think you are yeah yeah waking up one day and and your, your entire world is not what you thought it was yeah. Well, Steve, talk to us about Blade Runner. Well, I'll go, I'll start with the little stuff and then uh, I'll, the big thing. Because I, I actually he hates I'm, I'm, unicorns. No, I, I've, <laughs> I've never, I've watched this movie probably more, well, at least three or four times. Um, because I feel like it's, it's a movie I should like. So I'm trying to will myself to like it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just, I can't. That always and, works. Yeah. And I trying to figure out well work with the American, but uh, this one I I can't figure it out. And you know part of it is the music. It's not Lady Hawk bad, but it's pretty eighties bad. You just right? told Rucker Hauer. It's Rucker Hauer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he he him and soundtracks don't go together. That's okay. Um, he doesn't like you. Yeah. This I actually think this is a pretty good. Synthesized, like I think it works for this soundtrack. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't yeah. think so. it was. It was terrible. ripped off so much after this. Much more mm-hmm. so maybe, than Lady Hawk. Maybe that. Yeah. Oh yeah, much, <laughs> it's better than Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk sort yeah. of bottom is like what not to do with the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, but this is kind of similar. Um, I thought Edward James almost was horrible in this. He, he was, doesn't really do anything. He, he's not in it that much. So it's, a, it's definitely a nitpicky Why do you thing. Not like him? But, well, one, he's supposed to be Japanese, and he doesn't look Japanese at all, and he doesn't, you know. What? Um, his name's he's... Japanese. I don't know. I'd say I didn't like him in this. But, again, he's not in this that oh, much. Oh, so it's Peter kind of Laurie in Around the World in 80 Days, and yeah. he pulled that off fine. Yeah. Um, um, I actually didn't like the cinema. The cinematography bugs me. It's mostly, and I couldn't figure out what it was, so I really paid attention to the cinematography this time. It's the establishing shots. He lingers, and I think it's because you're right. He builds those models, and he he's damn well going to get his money worth out of them by filming them as much as possible. Those establishing shots last forever. They, he just lingers on these on the shots of the outside of buildings and things like that, and it just it gets old after a while. But my biggest issue was the thing that actually Tom says he likes maybe the most about this is the the aesthetic. I feel this movie makes you feel dirty. The aesthetic yeah, yeah. feels it makes dirty. You feel dirty for sure. And but I don't feel 
like I don't see how that informs the movie in any way. I don't feel like I it. My, so my, thing, my my thing is it feels it feels like a complete world. It feels very dirty and grungy. It's very noir, which which I'm not drawn to. I'm not. I don't actually. I'm not that big a noir fan to begin with. But, but it's not just noir, fact, right? It's it very is, but dark the fact and that it, that's that's the noir stuff. But it feels like trashy. Yeah, but the fact that it's still in the midst of that, it has these really beautiful images that it pulls out, and I feel like that's important to what it's trying to convey. The yeah. Fifth Element did the same thing, but better. Okay. What did uh, the Fifth Element? As far as the aesthetic goes, yeah. No, that uh, first fifth world element, you're on. That first world still has, a, is yeah. Fifth Element, fifth element is a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but this feels like a real place. Like the dirt. I, the reason you feel dirty is because you feel like you've like it's raining on you, and there's cigarette smoke like coming from the screen. Like it. It's one of these few films that actually transports you to like a city street. Like it feels like you're right there with them. You're eating that dirty See, bowl of ramen. I didn't feel like that. I feel like, in fact, the note I have is: Did Terry Gilliam go through a grunge phase? <laughs> because that's how it feels. It's like it's trying to be both bright and noir at the same time. And it, for me anyway, it doesn't mesh. It just feels distracting and uh, takes away from the story. And I actually, this time, realizing that, watching this and paying attention to the story, you're Nate, you're right. This is Harrison Ford's best performance. I completely yeah, agree with really. you. Uh, the story, of course, is amazing. It's Philip K. Dick, so it better be amazing. But the the aesthetic of the movie is too distracting for me. I I feel like I just want to get away. Let's say it's, it's just unpleasant, and I don't want to spend an hour and a half in this in this world. That's fair. I really I, I like the aesthetic of Blade Runner twenty forty nine better. I do I'll, too. I'll agree with that. It doesn't feel um, as grungy. But I feel like I, I kind of feel like that's like the point. Like the the stuff like all the bright advertisements and whatever happening in the middle of this like grimy city it all feels very contrived by whatever corporation you know has the power over that but especially with this like this version of this movie just these shots of like the unicorn running through the forest the dream sequence a, a lot of the beauty is not it's not like organic to the city it's like it's it's that dream aspect of the story which is very central, you know, to what's going on. Like that just juxtaposition of beauty, the beauty of the dream and the griminess of the reality is, is what works for me. Rutger Hayer's death scene where he just, yeah. you know, slowly dies while it's raining on him and his batteries sort of give out. And he says that beautiful line. It's and he's carrying that white dove for whatever, <laughs> whatever reason. Yeah. Um, know, it's poetic. It's beautiful. He, and he finds these moments within it that are really kind of stunning in such a grimy, awful place that should turn you off. He manages to still pull the beauty out of it. And the irony is the people pulling the beauty out of it are not human, right? Right, right, right. I, I, I just couldn't get past the, the griminess. The, I don't know. Like All these characters are just really unpleasant people. That's fair because that's actually my problem with noir in general. That's how I feel watching noir. I feel like I'm just in this grimy place with all these unpleasant people that I don't want to be around. Yeah. Um, but something about like transposing that onto a futuristic setting works a lot better for me. It's just a personal thing, I guess. Okay. Let's grade this. Yeah. Um, so let's start with uh, Kevin. B. 
Ryan? A. Uh, Nate? A. Tom? I'm going to give this an A. And I am going to give it a D. D. Um, that's a pity D. <laughs> Who do you pity? Uh, <laughs> three With three A's, a B, and a D, this gives it a Pac-Man, a B. It's on par with uh, White, Christmas. White Christmas. Pretty much the same movie. <laughs> it's a happy, fluffy movie. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back and tell you what we're watching uh, next time. All right. I hope you all enjoyed our movies that we all hated that everyone else seems to love. Um, oh, gosh, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> Actually, Brian Brian came out of that okay. Yeah, Brian did. Yeah, we he, all hated he it. Picked, he picked a legitimately bad movie. So. <laughs> yeah. Guys, should have saved that for junk January, I guess. Um, oh. So... I have the pick and Tom has the pairing for the next podcast. And my, that's actually, let's get my theme first. My theme is, wait, that's not Disney. (laughs) (laughs) And the movie I picked is Anastasia. Yeah. That's a good pick for your theme. Fox. It's Fox's uh, foray into princess movies. Yeah. With Don Bluth. It's dark as shit. <laughs> I mean, any movie where a guy's head just falls into his body and he's having a conversation with a cartoon bat. I'm curious to revisit this. I think uh, uh, I, I remember liking it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I remember hating this movie, but I really loved the songs, which is a really strange like <laughs> dichotomy. All right. Well, anyway, um, it, this might be a little surprising, but I'm actually going to choose... The Brave Little Toaster. Because even though I was very surprised to find that on that BuzzFeed list of non-Disney animated films, Disney actually didn't have anything to do with the production. Right. I've been reading about it. Oh. So I think Disney was more involved at a later date in like distribution. And they own all the sequels and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. But that was actually produced and released by kind of a, a smaller company it's actually the same company that released freeway oh wait what yeah. <laughs> freeway all right the same so, I mean, yeah same very genre, similar same movies yeah. so the kushner lock company an american independent motion picture production company <laughs> is responsible for both both the brave little toaster and my great contribution to this podcast freeway see i had this being made by hyperion yeah, and Hyperion was the animation company okay. that produced this in concert mm-hmm. with Kushner Lock. Okay, so I've always thought of Brave Little Toaster as just kind of like a weird, lesser-known, like darker Disney movie. Right. Because that movie terrified me as a kid. So I'm interested to revisit this. Me too. I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Same. This is like the original Toy Story. Yeah, it's... it's uh, well, if, if Toy Story was about appliances... Yeah. All right. Can't wait to see this. I've never seen this before. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, this is one of those that I, I, this was one of those that I probably watched 30 times. Yeah. Because it was around that, around that time as a kid where you just watch something over and over. You just watch the same thing again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. And I I had this since. I had this recorded off the Disney Channel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I watched it over and over. So, Tom, I have one question before we go on. 
Why not Rover Dangerfield? <laughs> <laughs> you answered your own question. <laughs> All right. So uh, in our next podcast, wait, that's not Disney? I hope you've enjoyed listening to us here at Buried Cinema. Make sure you subscribe to one of the many platforms where you can find our show. You can find us at Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Buried Cinema. If you'd like to contribute to help keep our show going, you can donate through BuriedCinema.com. For those that donate, we periodically give away prizes and allow you to suggest movies so you can make us watch anything you want. Thanks so much, and stay tuned for our next movie review. All right, I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> Good talking to all of you. <laughs> uh, Too late, Brian. You're already on a list. That that goes in Tom's uh, "Don't fuck with me" file. That's where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> when he ever needs a favor, he's exactly. just gonna play this for Kevin and be Look. like, "You are picking me up from the airport." <laughs> That's you know? Exactly what I was gonna say. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Keep talking, monkeys. Yeah. <laughs>